Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It's lovely, lovely, lovely to be here and to be with you. As an opening story, um, a few um, a few years ago, maybe about eight years ago, um, I had this um, invitation to go over to Vanuatu. We have, as Churches of Christ, we have quite a lot of work uh, in Vanuatu. We have around 100 churches. Um, and every year they gather all the pastors and they have a conference. And one year um, there's a speaker that comes from New Zealand and then the following year from Australia and they rotate it around. And so about, about eight years ago I was asked to go and speak um, to um, the pastors' conference. So I was, it was about nine months before the event and I was like, yep, no problems, I would love to. It would be a real privilege and a real honour. Um, and um, you know, so I started preparing what I was going to be doing you know, for like for three days. It's a, it's a fair bit of preparation. So I started working on it early, getting, getting it ready. And then uh, maybe about two or three months prior to going, I get this email that said, uh, look, um, the, the committee has changed their mind. They're going to, rather than have all the pastors come to Espirito Santo, which is where the head office is, because um, it's very costly for them all to come, we decided we're going to run the conference. We're going to try something new this year as a one-off. And we're going to do the conference four times over the four major islands where we have our churches. Um, so three-day conference done four times. And I'm like, okay. Um, it ended up being well over two weeks that I was over there. So I, I flew over and, and we did the first conference at Espirito Santo. Then we went over to Umbai. Uh, and it was in the middle of the rainy season, so it was mayhem. Um, and then over to Pentecost Island, and then lastly at Efate Island, which is uh, where the capital Vila is. Um, and all this time as I was travelling, um, I was on my own. Um, I didn't know anyone at all in Vanuatu. It was my first time. Uh, I've, been, I've been back since now uh, a number of times, but that first time I knew no one. Every time I turned up, I was meeting all new people all the time, um, which was both... Um, um, exciting, but also tiring. Um, by the time I got to Efate, uh, Vila, I remember standing on the, on the edge of the port there, uh, looking out over the, over the bay, you know, this incredibly beautiful you know, water and yachts and uh, cruise ships coming in. You know, I was in paradise, right? But yet, I had never felt, either before or after, so incredibly homesick. I was like... All, all, I was, all I wanted to do was reach beyond the waters to the distant shore called Australia and just be back where my heart was with my family, you know. I, just, I think I was probably fairly wrung dry after all the speaking, uh, but I was just so incredibly homesick. I, I was in paradise, but I couldn't even enjoy the view. I just longed and yearned just to be back home. Has, has, have any of you ever felt that emotion, that sense of longing just to be where, 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 where you belong? You know, I have a sense that, that our souls have that yearning. Um, our souls have a yearning to, to be where they belong. Our souls have a yearning to be in intimate relationship with our Creator. But sometimes there's a distance between us and our Creator. And sometimes we don't, even, we, we, we don't even know what that distance means for us. But nevertheless, there's a restlessness within us um, because we're not at home with God. Augustine um, 
was a 5th century theologian and bishop. In fact, he, he, he wrote a book called Confessions and, and a lot of his writings have made, made it across to, to, to Churches of Christ. In fact, one of his famous sayings that Churches of Christ adopted was, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things love. But he came up with another cracker saying, and this is it. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Now, maybe for some of you this morning, there may be a restlessness that's going on inside. Maybe there's a sense of just not feeling at rest with God. Maybe God is a little at a distance for you. Um, I think Kieran mentioned the word uncertainty. You know, maybe there's a little uncertainty for you right now about you know, whether God is, is right here in this moment, loving you, caring for you, accepting you. And you just sense there's, there's a restlessness within. Well, this morning I'd love to speak to you, if that's, if that's you this morning especially. Um, but maybe God hasn't always been at a distance. You know, maybe there was a time when, when you, you knew God was real close and, and when you prayed you sensed his presence and you, you saw him being active in your life. Um, but maybe over the years, slowly, a, a bit like... Sadly, some married couples where they, they grow apart over the years, very sadly. Maybe there are some this morning who, if they were honest with themselves and with God, that you might actually say, well, actually, we're not that close right now. We, we, we have been, and, and I keep coming here because I want that closeness, but, but over the years there's just been a little disappointment that's built up. You know, God hasn't, hasn't answered my prayers the way I would have liked him to. I feel God's let me down here and here and here. And just over the years, you know, you still acknowledge God, you recognize him as your deity, but he's a distant deity. He's not a close, intimate, personal friend. You know, and as we prepare ourselves over these next two weeks for, for Easter, can I encourage us just to consider where we're at with Jesus? What does our relationship look like? Is he a distant deity or is he a close personal friend? If God is feeling a little distant, my hunch is that your soul is probably still yearning for that distance to close up and for God to be close. And sometimes that yearning um, is something that, that we medicate. If we, if, if we don't find our rest in God, we medicate it. And our world is incredibly good at, at marketing in a numerous amount of distractions for you. So you can stay distracted from one thing to another. In fact, at the worst case, you can even medicate yourself with, with addictions that try and... and and numb this chasm that's there between your soul's yearning and longing to be with God and his presence.
Our soul is restless until it rests in you. And Jesus came so that that restlessness could be dissipated from our life and we could find this incredible union and closeness that we were created for. Now, for thousands of years, um, men and women have been writing about this, this yearning. Um, like 2,000, like 700 years ago, Isaiah wrote these words. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Nearly 3,000 years ago, the psalmist writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Just, just in these couple of verses, we hear these words. My soul yearns for you. My spirit longs for you. My soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God. Can you hear the language, this desire, this sense of my soul is restless and I'm yearning for a closeness with God. There's something within us that we are, we are created for intimacy with God. And for those of you who, who have tasted that intimacy, there's just nothing else that can match it. There's, there's nothing else in this world that you would ever want than to be able to look directly into the eyes of Jesus and know that you are loved and accepted and valued and important in his eyes. There's something that that moment does that fills your soul like nothing else could. You know, I grew up um, as a Catholic, a good Italian boy. Um, well, my Italian parents migrated to Australia uh, in 58, I think it was. I was born in 67. And um, I, um, did, I was uh, baptised as a Catholic and I did you know, Christmas and Easter and First Communion and uh, learnt how to do confession before you did communion. That was always fun. Uh, cause I, always had to, I had all week to work out some, some nice, tasty sin that I could confess um, as an eight-year-old, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I took two cookies today instead of one. Um, but I just remember having a healthy respect for God. You know, as a cat, I mean, Catholics have, this inc- have, have beat us hands down when it comes to the awe of God, you know, because um, we need a balance, you know, the, the, a sense of awe for God and also this beautiful, tender presence of a personal God. You know, both are so vitally important. Um, and so I grew up with this understanding that, that God was, was there, but for me at that time, he, he always seemed like a distant God. Um, a God who I guess I, I respected and feared and, and didn't want to annoy too much. Um, try and just appease him and hopefully I can get on with my life. Um, so it wasn't until I came to, came to know Jesus that I realised that actually God um, is different to the God that I imagined growing up. He actually is someone who, who longs to be with me and longs to be personal. Isaiah, um, again, 700 years before Christ um, was born, wrote these words. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
I see there's something in the name, isn't there? There's something really special in that name that helps us recognise that we don't worship a distant God that we just have to appease. Now, baby names are really important. I don't know how you've gone when you've had to, you know, when you've had a child and you have to name your child. I, we have three daughters, and I remember it was always a wrestle trying to find a name. Um, we'd often be, you know, in in bed at night, and Carol would have names book name books out, and she'd borrow name books from friends in the library. We had all these names. <laughs> remember those days of going through? Are they still name books? It's probably all on apps these days. Um, um, but just picking all these, and it's like, wow, this name's going to last a lifetime, you know. So how are we going to find a name? And uh, I remember when Ruby, um, when we were pregnant with Ruby, we, we finally settled on the name Amelia. <laughs> You're saying, well, what happened? Uh, yeah, well, well, Ruby was born, and when she, bought, when she was born and we looked at her, we just both looked at her and thought, she just doesn't look like an Amelia. I mean, <laughs> has anyone ever had that happen to them? Like, it's, nah, looks like with anyone. Um, <laughs> It just, it just, she just didn't look like an Amelia, and, for, and, and we had Ruby as a name in the quiver, and uh, and we just, we just both had this conviction that no, nah, she's she's Ruby, you know. Um, and so names are really important. Um, they they dis- often they describe uh, in some way in, in our mind's eye uh, our child. Sometimes names are, are chosen because of the meaning of the name. So, for instance, if your if your child comes out with a crooked nose, you need to call him Cameron. Because Cameron means crooked nose. Any Camerons here today? Phew. Um, a crooked mouth? Campbell. There you go. If you have a child with a crooked mouth, call him Campbell. Um, Caesar means hairy. You have a hairy baby. Uh, I should have been called Calvin. It means bald one. We have an, we have an Amon up at, um, up at Taramara in the congregation this morning. And, uh, and I said, uh, when Amon was born, he had a little, you know, gold, gold coin under his armpit because he, he, Amon means guardian of the riches. And uh, Emily, that's a nice one. Industrious. And you are. You're very industrious. You're very, you're very capable in every way. Um, so names are really important. Sometimes they describe our character or part of our features. And... For Jesus, this was really important. And in fact, if we go to the passage that was read out to us, if we go to Matthew 1, 22 to 23, in the account of Jesus' birth, it says, All this took place to fulfil what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. I mean, if you, were, if you were around 2,000 years ago and a baby was born and a baby was called Emmanuel, God with us, it was a scandal. It was an absolute scandal. Like, how could, how could a baby be God, for one thing, but how could God be a God with us? God's up there in the heavenlies. But you see, God's intention always and for all time, is for him not to be distanced from us. God has always sought to be a God who is with us. You think about the Garden of Eden, you know, in the evening and the cool of the day, God would walk with Adam and Eve. It's this beautiful picture of intimacy and relationship and closeness and of God being with his creation. 
Our heart is restless until our rest, until we rest in you. And you can see Adam and Eve resting in God before the fall. But right through the Bible, from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, we find God always reaching out to us, seeking to be with us. This name, Emmanuel, is so profound. And I'd love for this Easter to be a time when we all um, discover in, in a, maybe a, a new and fresh way the significance of what it means for Jesus to be with us and for this name, Emmanuel. See, if we do a quick survey of, of the whole Bible, we can see a theme. In Genesis 26, um, God says to Isaac in Beersheba, Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. If we jump to Isaiah, um, we read um, through the prophet Isaiah when they're under the threat of the Babylonians, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To Israel, through the prophet Ezekiel, my dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Can you begin to see a theme here? Not just in the New Testament, not just since Jesus, but right through the Old Testament. We see God yearning and longing just to be with us. And then we read Jesus' words in Matthew 28. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Revelation, John um, notes God's words. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You see, Jesus is the manifestation of, of God's intention to be with us. God has always longed to be with us. And I think our soul has always longed to be with him and that we're never completely at peace within ourselves until we bridge that gap and until we discover Jesus for ourselves as the God who longs and yearns and who desires to be with us in intimate and personal relationship. We worship a highly personal God. Highly personal. Well, like any, any relationship, you know, relationships need to be stewarded. You know, one of the saddest things, I think, is, is when churches... Um, have people within them. And I think this is probably potentially the case right around the world where, where people come to church but there's a distance between them and God. There's a sense that I, I know God, I revere him, but for a whole bunch of reasons, we're not real tight or close, but I'm going to go just in the hope that maybe something might happen. And that's, that's really sad. But I think it's more prevalent than what we might consider. You see, any relationship needs to be stewarded. Any relationship. Now, for those of you here who are married, 
You, you know, it's, it's, it, it takes the stewarding of that relationship for that relationship to be life-giving and rich. It takes, it takes energy and it takes um, determination. It takes a, making it a priority and taking time. And I encourage you, if you're married here today, no matter if you've been married one year or, or 60 years, keep, keep stewarding that precious relationship. Keep carving time aside for that relationship so that you can hear one another's hearts. You know, if you're in that stage of life with young children, man, that, that season is so difficult sometimes to be able to just steward your relationship well. But those are the years that you need it the most. So, so you know, elder members of their congregation who've got kids that have left, left home, you know, get alongside those younger families and, and babysit for them and do whatever you can to support them so that they can go and have time together so that we can encourage one another in our different stages of life, just to steward our relationships well. Because we, we want to have winning relationships and winning marriages at Northside. We want, to see, you know, we, we want to see our marriages be the ones that inspire the next generation for what marriage can be and can look like. Not that this is a marriage sermon, so I'm getting off track. <laughs> but it is an illustration for the, you know, the sense of stewarding that our relationship with God takes. You know, we can't expect that, we, that our marriage relationships requires good Good, good stewardship, but our relationship with God, well, I can just turn up on a Sunday and that should be enough. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough if we're going to be growing and deepening our relationship with him in an intimate way. See, Richard Foster says this, we practice the disciplines or the spiritual practices in order to be fully present to God. So there are a whole range of spiritual practices that if you read the Gospels, you find Jesus himself embracing. And spiritual practices, no matter what they are, are all designed for us to be fully present to God. And, and one of the dangers is that if, if we engage in spiritual practices and we find ourselves um, not being ushered into God's presence, alarm bells need to go on. Because all of a sudden those practices have become Spiritual duty, religious acts, devotional obligations, um, lifeless liturgies. And, you know, even church can become like that. You can, we can get into the habit of just coming to church as a lifeless liturgy. But see, gathering together as a community like we are this morning is a spiritual practice that ought to be drawing us more deeply in our relationship with Jesus. As we spend time during the week in God's word, it's a spiritual practice which ought to help us Draw near to the presence of Jesus, the our Emmanuel, the God who is with us. As we, as we, as I go kayaking, it's a spiritual practice to be present to, to God in creation. Just looking at His incredible creativity all around me. God is everywhere in nature. You know, I worship Him most so profoundly in nature, and I sense His presence with me. Whatever it is that helps you to be present to God. Is a spiritual practice. And that opens up a world of opportunities to explore, of ways that you can engage with him and to be aware of his presence in your life. You know, Jesus will often, often went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he would get up and he would go 
and he would spend time with his father. That was one of his regular practices. But he did a whole host of things. You know, he, he memorized scripture. He would be able to just quote scripture out of his head. He spent time in God's word and he, he regularly fasted, regularly went to the synagogue. You know, he, he, he practiced all, all sorts of ways of, of, of drawing near to the father. Richard says again, the spiritual disciplines give us ways of finding our way home to the heart of God where we belong. To me, that sounds like Augustine, doesn't it? You have made us for yourselves and our heart is restless till it rests in you. So over these next couple of weeks, as we, as we draw towards Easter, can I invite us just to, just to explore some ways that you might uh, draw near to God in, your, in the way that you steward your relationship with him? You know, over the last 12 months, what are some practices or what are some moments where you felt most closest to God? Where have you been? What have you done? Maybe, maybe go back to some of those practices over these next couple of weeks. Maybe if this morning you're feeling a little restless, maybe, you know, maybe you're aware of a longing deep inside, um, but it feels like God is on a distant shore. And you're not quite sure right now how to bridge that gap. You can't even look back and, and remember a practice that has really helped you. Well, could, could I offer you one um, this morning? Just in, in case you're, you're, you're looking for something that might help. Over the, next, um, over the next week, between now and next Sunday, we have 168 hours. So I would invite you to steward 20 minutes of that 168 hours, that's one five hundredth or so. <laughs> that's 20 minutes. And I would invite you just to, just to do this one practice as a way of being present to the presence of God. So if you've got a pen, or if you can steal a pen off the person next to you, I want you to write number 61 on your hand, or on your phone, or on a bit of paper. Um, because Psalm 61 is where I'd like you to, well, I'd like to invite you to spend. See, it's a, it's a psalm that David wrote when he was feeling God was at a distance. And, and maybe his words might, might pen your, 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 own, your own feelings right now. In fact, he starts off this psalm. It's only eight verses long. It's only very short. But he just starts off the verse, the, the psalm, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer, from the ends of the earth, I call out to you. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of the earth and God is at the other end. Then I'd like to encourage you just to take Psalm 61 this week. I would invite you just to read it slowly three times and seek what God may be wanting to communicate to you through it. Just read it three times. Then I'd, I'd like to invite you just to journal your response on, on that psalm. Just whatever, on, like it needs to be completely honest. I'm, I'm frustrated with this psalm. <laughs> this psalm doesn't do anything for me. I don't know why Andrew mentioned it. That's okay, be honest. Just, just reflect out of your own life of what, what this psalm is bringing up for you. And then the third step is the courageous step. I would love for you to just to share your findings with one person. Just to share it with one person because it, 
Boy, it makes it so real when you actually hear yourself communicating it. And, and in case you haven't got that one person in your life, then I'm going to invite you to email me. Let me know. Andrew at northsidechurch.org.au. Just send me an email. Say, hey, Andrew, I did the practice and I'd love to share this with you. I, I, would, I would consider it an honour to, to hear your reflections and to pray for you. Um, now, we worship a God who is not at a distance. Names mean a, mean a lot. And Jesus being called Emmanuel is, such, is so significant because he is a God who is with us. In fact, in John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Wow. Jesus longs to be our friend. He longs to walk alongside us through life and through every event of life. Um, you know, we're going to have communion now. And what, a, what a beautiful opportunity we have to take these elements and to be reminded of, of the extent that Jesus went to to make this relationship possible. In fact, he says, greater love has no one than this. They lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life so that he could be the manifestation of God's intent. And that is to be present to us and for us to be able to be present to him without any barriers, without sin getting in the way, being able to be his friend. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for showing us the heart of the Father. Your desire, God, to, to be with us. And we, we resonate and we understand that these words of Augustine's are so important and so truthful that, that you have made us for yourself. That's why we were created. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have made that possible. That through your death and resurrection, that we can receive that justification and that opportunity to be forgiven and to be embraced and to be ushered into an intimate and close relationship with you. So we thank you for this truth. And I pray that as, as we take these elements, that we would, we would grow even deeper in our awareness of your closeness of being truly present to your loving presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not a distant God, but that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.